This morning, we continue our Vision Frame series. We've been looking at our, uh, we began with our new mission uh, statement for our church, which is connecting people to Jesus, the spring of life. We've been looking at our, uh, the core values that define who we are as a church. Uh, and we're looking at our last, uh, the fifth value today, which is portable discipleship, which is uh, our understanding that faith is not something we just do on Sundays, but something that we do every day of our life. Uh, we read this morning from the book of uh, Psalms, Psalm 119, verses 97 to 112. Uh, Psalm 119 is a very long psalm. It goes through every letter of the Hebrew alphabet. So there's about eight verses or so uh, for every letter, and it goes through the entire alphabet. Um, And we're pretty far along, verse 97. Uh, So we read in Psalm 119, verse 97 to 112. Oh, how I love your law. I meditate on it all day long. Your commands are always with me and make me wiser than my enemies. I have more insight than all my teachers, for I meditate on your statutes. I have more understanding than the elders, for I I obey your precepts. I have kept my feet from every evil path so that I might obey your word. I have not departed from your laws, for you yourself have taught me. How sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. I gain understanding from your precepts, therefore I hate every wrong path. Your word is a lamp for my feet, a light on my path. I have taken an oath and confirmed it, that I will follow your righteous laws. I have suffered much. Preserve my life, Lord, according to your word. Accept, Lord, the willing praise of my mouth and teach me your laws Though I constantly take my life in my hands, I will not forget your law. The wicked have set a snare for me, but I have not strayed from your precepts. Your statutes are my heritage forever. They are the joy of my heart. My heart is set on keeping your decrees to the very end. Uh, This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I've always loved maps. Uh, When I was a kid, all my favorite books were full of them. Uh, Maps were important to the stories of the Chronicles of Narnia, of Peter Pan, Treasure Island, uh, and Lord of the Rings. Uh, My copy of Lord of the Rings actually came with a map that was glued into the front cover of the first book. So uh, like the nerd that I was, and and still kind of am, uh, I carried the first book around as I finished the other two, uh, just so I could pull it out and figure out Uh, what was happening and where. Uh, My favorite movies have had characters poring over detailed maps uh, or schematics like the Death Star and Star Wars or uh, traveling across the world by red line like in uh, Indiana Jones. Uh, Maps were vital even in the video games that I played. Uh, In the original Legend of Zelda on the original Nintendo, uh, maps revealed the secret uh, location Uh, of items or hidden doors, and that helped you uh, free the land from the villain and rescue uh, the princess. But maps are not only important in books or movies or video games. Because our country is rather large, we are in our cars more often going somewhere or coming home, commuting from one errand and obligation to the next than any place 
else. We are often traveling. Have you ever noticed that we say we are running errands? It's a very strange way to put that. What would your family think if one morning you said, okay, I'm off to leisurely enjoy the errands? It's a different approach. What would your, uh, for people like us who are always moving, maps reveal basic information about the world so we can get from one place to the next. They show us details about how best to navigate our lives. And our ability to travel quickly and easily stands in stark contrast to how most people throughout history moved and engaged with their world. We don't need paper scrolls to figure out the coastline of Italy or Florida. We don't need a map of the stars to cross our oceans. A byproduct of living in the information age means we have the most up-to-date and precise maps in the history of the world. It didn't used to be this way. It didn't really even used to be this way when I was a kid back in the 80s and 90s. We still had maps in our glove compartment. I think I still have maps in our glove compartment, you know, era, you know, around 2002. I don't know. Most of the roads are still the same, but they're still there. <laughs> but it didn't used to be this way. It, it took thousands of years to map the world as we know it, but it took Google less than seven to photograph a street view of nearly every address on the planet. Recently, Japan realized they had an extra 7,273 islands after using refined satellite technology, which gave them a more accurate picture of their territorial waters. This accuracy is not just reserved for governments or satellites either. We can see our own world in almost frightening detail at the click of a button. All this detail in theory should make our life easier. We should have an easier time of getting around, of moving from one place so in the next, after all, the purpose of any map isn't just to increase our knowledge. By them, we are able to move in the right direction to go where we want and where we need to be. But as members of the fallen human race, that's precisely where our trouble begins. Maps give us relevant information and the means to get to all sorts of different places. But every map asks an underlying question that we are ill-prepared to answer. Where are you going? Every time we enter a destination on our phones, uh, we're giving the world and maybe Google or the FBI an, an answer to what our life is all about. Where are you going? Now, some of us may have an answer, but a lot of us don't. If we're honest, most of us can admit that although we are constantly in motion, we don't exactly have a clear direction. Of course, we all have priorities. Uh, that, priorities. We want to provide for our families. We want to succeed in our careers. We want to flourish in our relationships. But in the big picture, when we talk about meaning and purpose, we tend to run in circles repeating the same mistakes over and over again and moving away from what our souls really need. We seek things that rarely bring us happiness or peace and typically lead us into deeper tiredness or frustration or emptiness. Maps matter, but they only help if we know where we are going. And on our own, 
left to our own devices, we usually don't. We might be free to do what we want, but our choices are governed by a confused and corrupt will, a heart that more often than not runs away from its only true source of life. Relying solely on what we want, our journey in this life often lacks meaning and purpose. Our movement, our movement is like that of a blind crab. There is motion, yes, but no strategy, a mass of energy, but no clear direction. We search for some bit of meaning, some scrap of truth, a glimpse of beauty or an assurance of peace. But as David writes in Psalm 119, the only way to navigate this life so our souls flourish and our hearts find purpose and meaning is to seek God and learn his ways. It's the only way. In fact, if we reverse a lot of the positive attributes David relates in Psalm 119, that he says a relationship with God provides, we discover that life would be terribly bleak, overcome with despair. We would approach the world not with understanding, but confusion. Instead of having light to illuminate our path, we would journey instead in darkness constantly wandering from the God who loves us. Lacking direction, we would stray onto dangerous paths and break his commands. But although sin is subtle and persistent, always leading us astray, we are called into something greater. We have each been called to follow the directions of our Savior who gently and tenderly calls us into an entirely new way of living. To ask the same question in a different way, we can rephrase as believers the question, where are you going into who are you becoming? Who are we becoming? In this psalm in particular, David attempts to provide that direction for anyone who wants to live as true children of God. Remember, he was a king and a poet, and so he wants his people not just to learn where they and we are meant to go, but who they and we are meant to be. David, of course, only has a small taste of what we experience fully in Jesus when he studies the commands of God and the law. But that taste for David is enough to satisfy his soul and entice him into greater obedience and faith. The good news for us is that in Jesus, we don't only find directions home, but directions for how to live in this world as his true children. When we look to Jesus, we find not just a map that helps us navigate this life. We actually find the map maker who walks with us and teaches us to be more like him. David's wisdom here in Psalm 119 shows us how God and how Jesus today guides our spiritual transformation in three distinct ways. The first, and perhaps most important, is that David has fallen in love with the one who calls him to be and do something different. Long before Christ came in the flesh, David recognizes that every word of Scripture, 
Every comma and period and exclamation point, every kind of literary style, whether it's history or poetry or genealogy or songs of praise or lament, conveys a message from the God who loves him and desires his transformation. Every sentence is a gift that reveals the depth of God's love, and David is completely swept off his feet. David loves the word not because he loves rules, not because he uh, loves commands. Uh, We see that in David's life. He breaks a lot of rules. But because he loves the one who set them in place. In every prohibition or blessing, David falls more in love with the God who already loves him. David trusts the one who calls him, so he devotes his life to learning the ways of his God and what this God requires of his children. He trusts and loves the one who is calling him to be something different, to be the kind of king, uh, the kind of king that Israel deserved. Second, David understands that God illuminates every step of his transformation. In every verse, uh, David gives us a cause and effect. If you want to do a little bit of homework, uh, circle every personal pronoun your, and then draw a little arrow to where David talks about me or mine or I. Because the Lord opened his mind and heart, David became wiser than his enemies, more insightful than his teachers, and more thoughtful than his elders. The one who called him brought light into David's world. So he was able to keep his feet from every evil path. Having been taught by God himself, David was able to avoid temptation and the snares of evil people. With the light of God showing the way forward, David comes through hard times and develops a hatred for sin and evil. In fact, his spiritual tastes start to change completely, which brings us to our last point. Finally, David experiences the joy of being in the presence of God and the joy of his promise to both walk with and transform David into a new creation. David understands that faith, that following God is a journey, that following God is a series of transformations. Throughout the psalm, David repeatedly desires a new desire for the spiritual sweetness of being close to God. He rejoices in the fact that his relationship with the Lord isn't stationary, that it doesn't stay in the same place, but it's continually growing and moving toward the one moment that David will be called home. Uh, Jonathan Edwards, who was a preacher uh, in early America, wrote Uh, This He said, the enjoyment of God is the only happiness with which our souls can be satisfied. To fully enjoy God is infinitely better than the most pleasant accommodations here. The best things and people of this world are but shadows. God is the substance. All of the blessings we know are but scattered beams. God is the sun. These are but streams. God is the ocean. In this life, we must always remember where we are going and who we are becoming. 
David discovered that the greatest joy of human life rests in a relationship with God the Father who asks each of us to follow him into new life. The invitation of Jesus to his disciples to follow me points to the basic purpose of human existence. When we follow Jesus, we are not only we not only receive God's goodness, we are transformed by his grace and love. In everything we do, we should be like David, striving to know our Father more deeply because only there do we find our directions, not just home, but how to live and move until we get there. Paul writes in Philippians 3 uh, that we should be forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward to what lies ahead, pressing toward the goal for the prize of the upward call in Christ Jesus. Following Jesus is a comprehensive call to an entirely new way of life. We are always called to follow Jesus and embody his love in our broken world. And Jesus uses every one of our moments, every one of our moments to mold us into people that reflect his goodness and his grace, his hope and his joy and his peace. Our, uh, our Vision Frame team recognized that this church has always equipped the people of God, to live out their faith every single day of their lives. This church, we do, we do a lot of things, but we are most concerned with who you and we are all becoming. Discipleship is a lifelong endeavor. It is not something that stays here on Sundays. It is something we carry into the world with us. Dallas uh, Willard wrote that the New Testament defines a disciple as someone who was with Jesus learning how to be more like him. One of the main barriers of uh, genuine discipleship is that people see the teachings of Christ as laws that they must obey, but they are really expressions of the life that comes to you through the new birth and is naturally disposed to develop a new kind of person inside. Being a Christian, following Jesus, is not something that we just do at church, but something, someone we are. Our, dis- our discipleship is portable. It moves with us because Jesus is always working in us to make us more like him and lead us home. We take our faith with us into every room of our home, every meeting at work, every moment of official business, every phone call or text, every errand, every meal, every place at any time. We don't leave our values or beliefs in the sanctuary on Sunday morning like we take off a coat. We take them with us. In every interaction and choice, every planned or random encounter we have with another person. We follow and walk with Jesus because he has promised to walk with us. Even when life overwhelms us, when we walk through the valleys and not the mountaintops, our loving father still walks with us and he still works uh, to he is still working to make us more like him. What's always 
essential when we read the Psalms is to remember that it was written by someone who had a fairly unstable life. David lived a life that was hard. He still had hardships. He still had trouble. He still made terrible mistakes. In verses 107, 109, and 110, David admits that life, that following God uh, doesn't make life any easier. It remains difficult. It remains complicated. Looking back over his life in Psalm and uh, First and Second Samuel, we know that David experienced the utter depths of despair, rough patches that lasted years. And what we see in David is that the presence of God doesn't make our life safe or perfect, and His promise to mold us into His people doesn't really ever free us from trial. There's always going to be roadblocks on your map. There's going to be mountains and swamps. There's dark nights, hard things that only you know about. Things that only you wrestle with. Things that you only struggle through. But God promises to be with us. He will be with us and he will see us through those moments. Because in Jesus, we are not just given directions We have a guide who will always lead us into deeper paths of goodness and glory. So church, let us follow our Savior where he will lead us next. Let us follow him and remember that he is always making us into his true children. Hallelujah. Amen.